With an estimated 3 million people fleeing the war in Ukraine in the last number of weeks, many families have already or are soon expected to arrive here in Ireland. The continued education of children coming to our shores is a crucial part of their integration here. In this podcast, we look at three areas in this regard. Firstly, an overview of the education system in Ukraine. Second of all, school admission considerations and Department of Education supports. And finally, advice for school staff on supporting all pupils in this time of conflict. My name is Paul O'Donnell, and you're very welcome to our CPSMA podcast. I would sincerely like to welcome our three guests today, Ukrainian teacher and recent arrival to Ireland, Irena Britanova Listratenko, CPSMA advisor Fergal Kelly, and NEPS educational psychologist Michelle McCarthy. Irena, I would like to start with you first of all. I, first, I'd like to welcome you and your daughter Sasha here to Ireland. I, I know that this was obviously not a planned journey for you but I hope that you find your stay here to be a positive one for however long that is required. Um, Schools in Ireland are very interested to know what the structure of the Ukrainian primary school system looks like. So could you please outline uh, how it looks for our listeners, please? Um, I would like to start that the Ukrainian educational system is organized into five levels. So it's preschool, uh, primary school, uh, basic secondary school, uh, upper secondary school, and postgraduate education. And uh, uh, it's important to mention that uh, the Ukrainian education system is switching from an 11-year program to a 12-year program. Uh, And um, uh, education is compulsory in Ukraine through grade 12 uh, under the new system. Uh, however, pupils who started studying under under the old system can still leave school after 11 years old. So basically, um, education uh, system in Ukraine look, look in Ukraine uh, looks like this: uh, 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 students start their study from the primary school, and uh, uh, so the first four years are at elementary. Uh, younger school and uh, elementary education starts at the age of six and um, it's it lasts for four years so age level is from six to uh, ten years old Uh, after that they proceed their study in lower secondary middle school and uh, it's for students aged uh, 10 to 15 years old and uh, age uh, so as for at this stage, students may qualify for their secondary school living certificates. So after uh, lower secondary middle school, uh, students uh, decide whether they go to upper uh, secondary school or to uh, vocational schools. As for curriculum uh, for secondary schools, lower secondary schools, um, uh, the curriculum includes the Ukrainian language, uh, Ukrainian literature, foreign language, algebra, biology, chemistry, 
uh, geography, geometry, history, physics, music, art, and physical education. The length of program is five years. I'm sorry, uh, sorry, Elena, can I just yeah. come in there? So uh, the primary system is four years from around six to 10 years of age. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And yeah. In, in that section, so what you're explaining there is then when pupils move on to lower secondary, those those other uh, subjects that you mentioned. But in those four years of primary, yeah. what are the yeah. subjects that pupils? Uh, the subjects are like math, just um, Ukrainian language, Ukrainian literature, English, um, music, math, art, um, physical culture and subject which is called like I explore the world they just like get some general knowledge about nature and the world so it's called I explore the world this subject okay and, so that would uh, probably be for us maybe likes of history and geography science that that type yeah, of yeah 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 okay and then yeah. in the uh, is the primary school section are the pupils in one building for primary then another for secondary uh, no actually they are staying at the same building at the same building but different but the school is divided into different classes but actually they are staying at the same same building and and in terms of the for primary the length of the school day what time does it start what time does it finish at? um uh, it starts at 8 a.m. And as for uh, first class, um, students can have not more than four classes a day, a day. And uh, as for week, not more than 21 teaching hour. This is per week. It's for first class. Uh, as for second, third, and fourth class, they can have not more than five classes a day and not more than 23 classes totally for during the week okay so the day is slightly shorter for the first year and then a little longer yeah 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 time. and the duration of sorry just i uh, want to add something uh, the duration of the class for uh, first grade students is not uh, is 35 minutes it's for first class and for from the second to fourth the duration is 40 minutes 40 okay. minutes Mm -hmm. And so thank you very much for that overview. Mm -hmm. And I suppose what I'm also thinking now are pupils who come from Ukraine to Ireland. You've you've taught in Ukraine. You've now come to Ireland and you're with your, your daughter, Sasha, who uh, am I right in saying is now enrolled in an Irish primary school? She Sorry? Is, she's currently studying. She's in a Yeah, she currently school. studies at, at Irish primary school and she, she doesn't have any problems, problems because she she is fluent uh, in her English. She can speak, read, write. So no problems for her. But I'm not sure about another kids who are coming here because in Ukraine, we do not they do not learn English in the kindergarten. You know, they just study from the first class. So they do study it, but is that the, is that the concern that the majority of pupils that would be a shock for them? Then obviously, yeah, would it, okay, for sure, yeah. That the majority would not have fluent English when they arrive here. No, okay. I'm pretty sure they won't be able to speak English at all. So, okay, which is obviously a, yeah consideration for schools when they arrive, and if I can, you as I mentioned, you've recently arrived from Ukraine. If you're happy to do so, could you please outline for us why you both had to leave and your journey here? 
You know, because uh, my home city is Kharkiv and uh, it has been uh, the target of multiple attacks since Ukraine was invaded by Russian forces. And my city has been bombed uh, heavily, every, heavily every single day until now. So uh, it was really dangerous to stay and we waited for maybe six days. And after, after there appeared a lot of attacks from the air, we decided that there is no chance to survive. And we decided to leave our home. Uh, but actually it was also dangerous to move on the roads because uh, uh, during that time, a, a Russian army, they shoot people and uh, the cars of civilians just on the road. So we left our home early in the morning and uh, we succeeded to find like a bypass. It was a safe road and we, uh, we went to the west of Ukraine, which is more safe if compared with our city. And we were staying there for several days and I was looking for an opportunity uh, how to leave uh, Ukraine. Uh, but... Um, it was really important for me to get to English speaking country because my daughter, she's able to speak English and I wanted her to study at school. So um, luckily one girl from the Red Cross in the west of Ukraine, she, uh, she told me that there, there, were, there was an Irish man who came with human, humanitarian stuff. Uh, he came by his car. And um, so he suggested us to come back to Ireland with him. And sure, it was a great chance for us. Okay, so, and, yeah. and also then still in Ukraine, you're, you have family there still? Yeah, my husband and all my relatives are staying in Ukraine. There is no way for them to, to get uh, to reach Ireland or any another country because my parents uh, are, are sick people and not young, you know. And my husband, he is not able to leave Ukraine as well, because uh, as far as maybe you know that uh, men are not allowed to leave the country during this time. So well, thank you very much for, for sharing your yeah. story with us. And, and I think what you have explained, while unbelievable to imagine, it, it gives schools a very good insight into what pupils or young children who are coming from Ukraine and their parents and families have have gone through to get here and yeah. um, I'd now like to turn to uh, one of our education advisors Fergal Kelly so Fergal what are some of the questions that we're receiving in the office in relation to Ukrainian people traveling here uh, well Paul uh, first of all really interesting to listen to Arena there uh, talking about the education system in the Ukraine and of course her experiences and circumstances which are indeed difficult for us to envisage. But yes, of course, we have had a lot of calls to our office um, over the past couple of weeks and many of these concern admissions of children from Ukraine to our schools. Schools are of course most anxious to help in any way they can and various scenarios have arisen uh, in our schools. Now, the most common call we have at the moment is where families from Ukraine are being housed in accommodation close to the school and arriving into an area where the school is oversubscribed. 
And we are being asked, is there any uh, special circumstances where these children can be prioritized? Now, at this moment in time, the simple answer is that you must adhere to the school's enrollment policy. Essentially, this means that an application from a newly arrived child from Ukraine must be processed by your school in the same way as any other application. But I suppose I don't like saying you can't do this, you can't do that. There is something you might be able to do. And I know that in our education system, principals have really good networks of communication with other schools. So while you might not have places in your school, perhaps you might be able to contact other schools in the area and places can be allocated to pupils in this way where schools in the nearby community have capacity. So while you may not be able to assist with places in your own circumstance, you can help with information that will be beneficial in the long run. And we are hoping that the school transport system will also be extended to assist families as this emerging situation progresses. It is important that newly enrolled children are registered on POD as soon as possible. Many of the children will have uh, PPS numbers as the arrivals from Ukraine will have the same rights as anyone else in the European Union. And I'd like to remind everyone at this time that the department have provided a link to TUSLA support services in their letter to schools on the 15th of March that families will find helpful in terms of accessing supports. I know that education welfare officers will be in touch with a family in the various hotels and accommodation centers in order to be able to assist them access school places. And we're aware, Fergal, that pupils have already enrolled in schools. So what, what resources are there for them? Yeah, it's an emerging situation, Paul, and many chairpersons and principals have asked us about what resources are being put in place for schools uh, who will or have currently an influx of pupils. And indeed, we know schools that have already accepted pupils from Ukraine. Uh, in fact, over 100 schools have already received pupils from Ukraine. And we understand that uh, some schools may need bespoke supports depending on their situation. At this moment in time, the advice is to email the Department of Education at this email address, usupport at education.gov.ie. Finally, Michelle McCarthy, thank you for your patience and for joining us. So if we are to assume that a school has a number of children from Ukraine enrolled, as an educational psychologist, how would you advise that school staff best support their integration? Thank you, Paul. Well, we need school to be a safe, friendly and welcoming environment, a haven from the war, a calm space where the children can be children a place where they can connect and develop friendships and learn and play alongside their peers. So we need them to start to experience success in the schools, success in their friendships and success in their learning and to feel hopeful for the future. So the most important thing that can be done is that it's a welcoming and a safe and a calm environment where there are predictable routines that are explained either verbally or through visuals and by using certain aspects of the children's language so that they know what's happening and they get in on the routines and they understand 
how the school day will progress and that they're able to slot in there and develop friendships and engage in all the usual activities that children need to engage in, in a safe and a, a stress-free way. Some school staff might feel, I suppose, a, a desire to, or feel that they have to speak to the pupils or engage with the pupils in some way about the war, the conflict that they have come from. What would you advise in that regard? Well, we don't want the war to be the focus. The child and the children are the focus and they need to be welcomed in and and the other children need to see them as, as children that they will get to know and they'll develop relationships with. And as Irina has already said, the majority of children may not have the language skills, the English language skills to discuss their experiences. So in fact, that may not arise. And what you may see is that their experiences are played out in their, on the yard or that they're played out through drawing um, and different activities like that. So it's to be sensitive and aware. But if a child did want to recount a story or tell about their experience or express some worry, it'd be important that the teacher is available to listen to that and that they make a safe and a private space rather than having that out in front of the whole class, I think, a safe and a private space where they could discuss it and they can signal maybe non-verbally that they're listening and that they feel um, supported and, and that there's an acknowledgement that they have gone through a hard time. So saying something like, I'm sorry, that sounds very hard or that sounds very difficult. But then, you know, bringing them out of that as well and encouraging them to actively engage in positive activities like play and sport and creative tasks to help them in that way. And should staff speak to current pupils in advance of the arrival of new children from Ukraine? And if so, what would be the main messages that they would give to them? Okay, well, I think they should speak to um, the other pupils um, and that they should prepare them by learning a little bit about the Ukraine so they have some sense of where it is and what it's like and that they learn some basic phrases, even hello and goodbye, that they can interact with the children and that they understand that the focus is not to be about the war, that the focus is to be on helping those children and to engage in the school and to be super friendly to them and to buddy up with them and to give them all the help that they need to find their way around the school and to engage in activities, to engage in activities outside school as well and, and feel connected to the community. So the children have a role in, in helping them engage with maybe a football club or a, a dance activity or, or any other group that's going on in, in the bigger setting, in the bigger scene outside of the school. So that's where I put the focus. And I know children can be fascinated by war, but it's important that this is a, a haven, this is a respite from war and all of that for the children. And the, but, but if, if, if the children themselves open up and speak about it to other pupils or to staff, that, that that's an appropriate setting to, to let them lead that conversation, would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Take the lead from the children. Do not put any pressure on them and don't, um, you know, elicit, try to elicit those stories. But if the child does um, want to talk about it or does express some of their experiences, it's about being calm, 
and supportive in your response and uh, and the teacher will be well placed to do that because they do that on a regular basis and with the young people around them it's you know to encourage them as well to just respond in a, a calm manner and generally it passes once the children make the comments they run off and and you know engage in play or whatever other activity they're engaged in so they'll take their cue from us in terms of how we respond. So it's important that our response is supportive and calm, and that's what's needed at this time. And just to let our, our, our members know, we have put your publications on our website, uh, Supporting Children in a Time of War, and that's advice for parents and also for school staff. And I think they're very, they, they, I suppose they align with what you've said there. They're full of common sense and practical, but also very reassuring, I think, for school staff. So schools uh, can access them on our website uh, if they wish. And just to thank you sincerely, Michelle, for that insight into a very sensitive aspect of the arrival of Ukrainian children. And I'd like to thank all three of my guests for their time and perspectives in an area which I think is going to become more and more relevant for more and more schools in the coming months. I hope members have some food for thought. And as Fergal said, we welcome any contact with us at info at cpsma.ie or 016292462. And we are more than happy to assist with any questions or queries that schools might have. To Fergal, to Michelle, and most especially to Irina and her daughter, Sasha, or Amila Maig of Golair, Thank you all very much for your time.